Hi everybody, I'm Katie. And I'm Rhiannon. And welcome to Haunting Cases. Hello, listeners. Hello, hello, hello. Hi. <laughs> I was like, do we get a hi from Katie? Do hi. We? I was like, she, she's just going in. She's just saying hi to the listeners. I'm like, she going to say hi to, hi to me? And then you just stopped. I'm like, hi. I guess I'm a listener this week. <laughs> hi, Katie. Hi. Uh, I'm officially back for banter uh, <laughs> my voice went out last time we were supposed to record and so our recording schedule got severely messed up well I shouldn't say severely it got messed up <laughs> but I'm back my voice is back I'm hoping it will hold out for our entire recording session today I think it will we're gonna see it's, it'll be a little experiment this is probably the most I've ever talked since getting my voice back so we'll see how this goes <laughs> We may have a couple little, like, granny sentences in there, but that's okay, because I have that happen, too. <laughs> Although, mine doesn't, like, turn granny when my voice goes out when I'm talking. It's usually, like, the frog in the throat thing. It just gets a little bit lower. It's just, like, gone. I'm like, I gotta re-record that. <laughs> yeah, last time we were supposed to record, that's basically where I was at, where I was like, I can make words. Like, you can hear me, but I don't think you want to hear me because my voice is so low and gravelly, it's not going to sound pleasant to anybody. And then shortly after that, I, like, talked to my mom for ten minutes, and then it was just gone, and it never came back for, like, a whole week. Oh, no! <laughs> it was wonderful. I was using my cell phone to communicate with people using Google Translate, and I'd type it in, and it would be, like, the, the Google Maps voice being like, Hello, my voice is gone. I cannot speak, so I am using Google. Oh God, it's it's the old robotic voice. It's like, hello, you are receiving a call from. Exactly. <laughs> Sometimes, because my workplace is loud, my coworker would be like, "I can't hear what your phone's saying," and I would just hold out my phone and have him read it. It was great. So thank God that's over. That was a mess. <laughs> Honestly, I put it on the Stephen Hawking's voice and like, kind of like roll next to somebody and just be like, "I like your shoes." <laughs> uh, I'm going to hell. Do not pass by. Do not collect two hundred dollars. I'm going straight to hell. Uh, oh my god. Well, Whew. aside from that. I'm like, I'm wearing a towel on my head, and I look fabulous. <laughs> you do look fabulous. I do look fabulous, because my hair is still processing, because I decided in the heat of the moment this morning, like, well, I won't say this morning, because I woke up still drunk from yesterday night this morning, so <laughs> when I rewoke, <laughs> when I rewoke up around, like, three-ish? Is that when I messaged you? It was like three, four o'clock. Uh, I honestly don't remember. <laughs> I honestly don't remember either, which is probably bad. But when I woke up, I was like, I'm tired of having red hair. Purple it is again. <laughs> uh, 
And literally, oh. I got it all put on, and then I got the message from you that you were ready to go. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> I'm like, it's got to sit for a while because it's a deep condition. I'm like, I want all the color I can get in here. I want my hair dry before I actually go and rinse it. <laughs> so... <laughs> In order to keep the dye off of my headset, I am wearing a towel over my head. <laughs> it's kind of like draped down too, like um, when the guys in like TikTok videos put towels on their heads to like pretend to be the female and like a POV. <laughs> it looks very nice. It looks very nice. It does. It does. The periwinkle blue goes very nicely with my green eyes. Oh yes, it definitely brings out oh, the yes. color of your it's, eyes. It's the latest fashion in Paris. <laughs> anyway though we we are so glad to have you back and have you feeling somewhat well and hopefully your voice will not go out today thank you i sure hope so we have been waiting to record this episode for quite a while now yeah as soon as you told me what it was i'm like well now i need to know what it is i was like i'll wait I'm patient. I can wait. And then you're like, my voice went out. I'm like, motherfucker, you're going to make me wait a whole nother week, aren't you? And then there was the holidays. <laughs> All right, listeners. I don't think we have any trigger warnings. But if I'm wrong, there will be trigger warnings here. Otherwise, here comes our disclaimer. And we'll be right back. While we understand that some individuals listen for the entertainment aspect of true crime, it's important to remember that these are real people with families and friends who may still be suffering from their loss. These stories are not meant to open old wounds or cause further emotional damage to those involved. We remind you to please be respectful, do not dox, or contact those involved with cases. While paranormal occurrences and urban legends may be sources of tourism, please be considerate if you visit one of these locations. Do not engage in trespassing and be sure to ask for permission if you plan on recording. Be aware of your surroundings and travel safely. The cases discussed in this podcast may be disturbing to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. And we're back. I'm sniffling a little bit and might cough, so I apologize for that. But it is time to light my candle because I forgot to do that before we started recording. So I'm going to do it now. (laughs) Okay, here's your warning, Katie, that what I say next, you may have a strong reaction to. (laughs) Okay, I backed away. So today we will be discussing a creature related to one of Katie's favorite animals, the otter. I I like otters. (laughs) I like otters. (laughs) Okay, you can come back. That was the thing that I wasn't sure (laughs) what kind of reaction to expect. So I was like, Katie, take a step away from the mic. I don't know if you're going to scream or not. Otters make me happy. (laughs) Uh, More specifically, we will be talking about the sea otter and Hydra lutris. 
So let's talk a little bit about sea otters before we get into the dark scary stuff. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so adult sea otters can grow up to five feet long. These are some big animals. Males average at about 80 to 100 pounds and females average at 50 to 70 pounds, although a large male can surpass 100 pounds. The global sea otter population plummeted after explorers kickstarted the sea otter fur trade in the 1700s. And by the 1900s, sea otters were almost completely extinct. However, the Fur Seal Treaty in 1911 finally provided protections to sea otters and allowed their populations to recover. Threats to sea otters today include predation, overharvesting, entanglement with fishing gear, competing with humans for food resources, disease, and oil spills. And 90% of the world's sea otters today live in the coastal waters of Alaska. Nonetheless, today we are not here to discuss adorable otters, unfortunately, but rather talk about a terrifying entity that takes the form of sea otters. Oh, I'm fucked. (laughs) Yeah, you are, (laughs) because you're like, it's so fucking cute, and these things are going to eat you up, they're going to be like, yeah, Katie thinks we're cute. Oh, no. (laughs) Don't go to Alaska, Katie. Don't do it. It's dangerous. (laughs) You know, for a little bit there, I actually considered moving to Alaska because I'm like, you know what? 30 days a night, I can do the 30 days of, like, bright sunlight that they get up there. Absolutely not. Not for me. Yeah, that was my feeling when my family was considering moving to Alaska back in high school. Well, that and it's a far, far, far away from anybody else I know. Which now I'd be a little bit more okay with, but in high school, not so much. But yeah, one of my main thoughts though was like, <laughs> that would be weird, the darkness and the light, and then also it's really fucking cold in the winter, and I already don't like snow or cold, so I just don't feel like that's my kind of jam. But I'd like to visit sometime for a vacation. Don't know if I want to live there. Maybe for one year or two years, but I don't know if I could do it for forever. Now, a quick disclaimer for everyone, especially any listeners up in Alaska or the Pacific Northwest, please be advised that I will be discussing a creature in Alaska that originates in indigenous beliefs. We will be avoiding using the creature's real name for most of the episode, but we will be saying it at least a few times, and when we do not use the creature's real name, we will be referring to it using its English translation, unless stated otherwise. If you are concerned about playing audio of us speaking about the particular creature named in the title of this episode, then please feel free to skip this one and rejoin us after this two-parter. I do hope to cover this topic as respectfully as possible, and during this episode I intend to discuss the creature and beliefs surrounding it, but I will avoid digging deep into specific cultural stories or religious practices out of respect for the people. As always, I will try to do my best with pronunciations, but I do acknowledge I will likely make mistakes pronouncing a few of the words and hope to discuss this topic purely from the purview of our podcast, Looking to the Paranormal. All right, let's get into a little bit of background. The Klinkit indigenous people of Alaska and Canada live on the coast and have a history dating back over 10,000 years. The Simshian Aboriginal people also live in southeastern Alaska and parts of British Columbia, Canada, on the coast. 
similar to some other cryptids or evil spirits that have originated in indigenous beliefs. Many Klingit and Shian people believe that speaking the name of the creature attracts its attention and is bad luck, and it thus is disrespectful to these people to do so. For this reason, outside of a couple of quotes towards the ends of part two, I will only speak the name of the creature here and henceforth will call it by its English translation. Today, we will be discussing the Kushtaka or Kushtaka. And Kushtaka is the colonial spelling of Kushtaka, although there are many indigenous variations on how to spell the word. <laughs> Katie's making a face over there. A, a pretty horrified face. I, I don't know if it's horrified or disgusted, kind of along those lines. It, it's a little bit of all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming I've... then you have heard of heard of them. Yeah, I've heard of the name before, and I've heard a little bit about them. Um, I think I actually, the first time I heard about them was from, and that's why we drink, but I might be mistaken. I didn't know that they fucking disguised themselves as otters. What? <laughs> I'm just here to break your heart, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I just put that in specifically for you. Specifically for you. Okay. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> trying to get rid of me guys <laughs> <laughs> no i couldn't do this podcast without you it would just crash <laughs> as soon as katie was gone and be like well if katie's gone i guess it's just not happening guys the podcast is over <laughs> we had a good run <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> now this does translate uh most closely to land otter man which I will be referring to them as for the remainder of the episode. However, I will state as well that they are also called Slim Men. That's not creepy at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't like that. I was like, ugh. So, so I was like, I'm going to call them Landaughter Men because Slim Men kind of like creeps me out. <laughs> Slim Jim Man. Ooh, that, mm, mm-mm. Let's dig into it. You are out hunting in the woods and lose track of where you are, lost and unsure of where to turn. A man appears who is one of your close friends and tells you he can lead you back to your village. You follow your friend back home and welcome him into your house, where he prepares you a meal to warm you up. As soon as you take a bite, it is too late. You will now become one of them, the Land Otter Men. Oh, wait. So they're not going to eat us? I get to turn into one? Because that changes my whole perspective on this. It's like a mermaid dream come true, okay? I get to be an otter? Uh, we'll see if you're still saying that on top or to I most likely this. will not be saying that. So what exactly is a land otter man? Like their name, the land otter man can take the form of a man or of an otter but can also take on a humanoid form that is a mix between a man and an otter. In its humanoid form, they stand six to eight feet tall with a thick tail, claws, and needle-like teeth. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're also covered in, like, brown shaggy fur. So think otter fur. But yeah, they're covered in, like, otter fur, too. Even in human form, they supposedly have needle-like teeth, which can be a telltale sign that you are dealing with an otter man and not a human. 
And it is precisely because otters are so cute that this is why land ottermen are so dangerous. You would never suspect such a cute creature to be your end. What a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Feel targeted. (laughs) I've actually had this topic in my pocket for a long time now. I bet you have. waited because i was like this one's special this involves one of katie's favorite animals it's very special not just one of my favorite animals the favorite animal like the otter sits on a throne with a crown and like a fucking like staff and he's just like i rule over all the favorite animals here i decide who is worthy and who is not oh no I don't, I don't think I'll ruin otters for you. I'll just make you a little bit wary of them next time you see them. You gotta make me wary to the point that I'm, like, not running towards the water immediately, but I'm eyeing them from a distance. <laughs> exactly. Maybe you'll have a little bit of caution before you run towards the water. Caution to the wind. That otter is mine. <laughs> <laughs> so, why is it in the case of the story I told that you would turn into a land otter man? It is believed that if you let a land otter man lead you back home, that in reality it is an illusion and he has really led you back to the village of land otter men and it only appears to you as your home. And the minute you take a bite of their food, the transformation process has started and with time you will turn into one of them with no hope of ever returning to your prior life. This is not the greatest concern when it comes to this demise, however. The Klingit people believe that When someone passes away, if their body is prepared properly, their soul will be reincarnated back into the clan lineage. So if you are turned into a land otterman, then your soul will never be able to reincarnate. So Mm -hmm. this is their religious belief of the afterlife. If you're Christian, think of never being able to go to heaven. Or in the case of many other religions, think of not being able to reach the afterlife and forever being trapped or lost. Therefore, not only are you losing your current life, you are losing any chance of ever experiencing the afterlife and thus everlasting life. It is about taking absolutely everything away from you that it ever could. And that is what makes this this creature so utterly horrifying. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> Katie's already changed her mind. She's like, no, it's not as cool as I thought it was. <laughs> How else could this story have gone? Land Otterman often poses friends, relatives, or people who look like they belong to your village in order to confuse <sighs> victims. <laughs> I knew you would like that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I hate it. <laughs> There's going to be more things you hate. Just wait. I hate it. It just, it just keeps getting worse. I'm ready. Uh, Land Ottermen can supposedly induce girls into having sexual relations with them. Apparently, many girls have a strong fear to go into the woods alone because of Ottermen. I did only read this one bit uh, in a single source. That's not something like most of the other things I found in multiple sources, so I'd say that's a little bit more debated than everything else, but I did want to throw it in there. Land Ottermen will sometimes lead you astray and rip you apart in a violent, gory end instead of turning you into a Land Otterman. I mean, I don't know which is worse. I don't know. I get... I don't know. 
Because if the idea is you can't get to the afterlife if your body can't be retrieved, I guess ripping you apart means you still probably can't go to the afterlife. So really, either one probably isn't much better than the other. I, I don't think either one's much better than the other. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the turning aspect, because it'd be kind of like vampirism from my viewpoint, per se. Because you're not really going to the afterlife, but you're not necessarily like dead either. You're just there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can see an, that. You're, you're an otter vampire. With the you're an otter vampire. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Whereas, like, it rips you apart. You're definitely, like, you, you did. You gone. But <laughs> you're not gone. That That doesn't seem like the ideal end. No, definitely no. not. Yeah. None of them seem like the ideal end, but I think that there's a lesser of the two evils there. <laughs> that is definitely one way to look at it. Now, there is a tremendous fear of drowning or being lost in the water because then the land ottermen will quote unquote save you from drowning and turn you into a land otterman. They may also lure boats from shore or I should say away from shore to trick sailors into dangerous circumstances and uh, rather than come to you when you are lost or injured and posing as someone trying to help a land otter man may instead choose to lure you to them by whistling or making sounds mimicking a screaming woman a wailing infant crying children or an animal in distress there may even be multiple land ottermen in this case, sounding like a group of lost children. Now, this is a similar approach to some of the other cryptids and evil spirits that Katie and I absolutely hate. <laughs> there is actually a quote from a Clinket woman that I wanted to share with you. Unfortunately, it does not list her name, but she said, quote, if you don't believe it, it won't happen, end quote. And I found this very similar similar to something Kitty and I say sometimes of, quote, I didn't see anything, I didn't hear anything, end quote. I didn't see anything, I didn't hear anything. I'm going to turn away and walk away. Exactly. <laughs> I definitely said that multiple times alone in the woods at night. Sometimes Dude, I, it's just like, it's nothing, it's not there, I'm going back to my car, thank you. I had one of those moments the other night when I was like cooking really late in the kitchen, I turned around and I was like, there was something there, I was like, I did not see that. <laughs> like, so, we're yeah. gonna close the windows, we did not see that. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like that philosophy may extend to some other people that have similar beliefs. And it is believed that land ottermen have the power to cause natural disasters like landslides and avalanches. Yeah, there's some big baddies. Mm. Well, how to protect yourself against land ottermen? We figured out we definitely do not want to meet a land otterman, so what do we do? They are believed to be responsible for thousands of disappearances, including hundreds of indigenous people over generations. So this is definitely considered to be, uh, especially to the indigenous people, but I mean, even to, to people outside of that community, uh, a real threat, a real danger. And so it, it's something to keep in mind of how do you protect yourself? Historically, 
Many Klingit people did not hunt otters, eat them, or use their pelts, since it was believed that having anything on your person that was associated with an otter would make it easier for a land otter man to capture you. Some Klingit people did collect otter and mink pelts to sell to white people, but they were very cautious of having the pelts around. (laughs) And I'm sure Katie over there has plenty of otter things. (laughs) But she's now like, I might be a land otter man magnet. (laughs) I don't have pelts or anything. I just, I have, I have a couple stuffs, like, I got the one that Ian Watson got me. I got, like, two other ones that Franz got me. And then I got, like, that stone that has, like, an otter carved into the side of it. Oh, yeah. That you guys got me. <laughs> and I'm bad at, like, sending back gifts. So I'm sorry. You guys okay. got me so many wonderful things. I'm just bad at gifts. <laughs> You're all However, I will note that not all Klingit people believe this. Uh, a more what appears to be a more common belief is that Lanham Ottermen are f- terrified of dogs, so people will often bring dogs with them on trips out into the wilderness as protection from Lanham Ottermen. And honestly, I will add in here that I believe dogs are a good protection from a number of things, both paranormal and not paranormal. So I just, I like dogs in general. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we even like discussed that with, I think it was Israel that he was going after a young lady that was out in right. a national park and he decided against it because there was a dog there. And he even said like, if dogs are involved, it's a no-go. It's just, I got to find somewhere else. They're too much hassle. Yeah, exactly. And so I definitely feel that way. Like I said, both paranormal and non-paranormal. I feel like, you know, dogs are just, I mean, obviously they won't protect you from everything, but I definitely think it's a nice, like, uh, discouragement to anything that might want to do you harm that it's not just you, but you also got a dog. So, Hey, if you got a dog, Mm -hmm. maybe bring your dog when you go hiking now, especially in Alaska. Uh, another thing about dogs is they are not fooled by the disguise of land ottermen. This is a, another particular characteristic that I feel is similar to how dogs seem to really pick up on paranormal activity uh, pretty easily, it seems, usually. Uh, you'll hear a lot of accounts of maybe the dog notices a spirit in a house before a person does, or they're just more attentive. They're a little bit more connected into that realm, so that doesn't really surprise me. Well, that and dogs pick up even on humans, per se, too. Like if- yeah somebody's got really really bad energy and maybe even bad intentions about them like you can really see that shift in a dog that they don't like that person and it's like it's usually like your go-to that's like maybe i should not socialize with you my dog doesn't like you (laughs) and you don't like my dog because you know what my dog comes first oh yeah yeah i definitely use my dog's reactions to people as like a good sense of judgment because Uh, I mean, my dog is protective of me, but for the most part, like, if he knows I'm cool with the person, he's usually pretty chill, too. But there has been, like, a select few people that he was just not okay with, no matter, like, under any circumstances. You could just tell he didn't like them. Is this Doyle that ran from his own shadow? (laughs) No, I'm talking about Kai. (laughs) Okay, I'm like, yeah, because Kai fucking loves me, but Doyle, like, he ran from me. I'm like, oh, God, did I give up a bad first impression? And you're like, no, he's like that with everybody. Yeah, that's just Doyle. Okay. No, uh, no, Kai, there was one person in particular, and I won't dig into the story today, but yeah, there was one person in particular, he did not like that person, and down the road that person ended up just, like, 
totally being an asshole to us. And I was like, hey, <laughs> my dog kind of hinted me towards that at the beginning. And I was just like, that's weird. Why is my dog not like you? My dog likes everybody. And then later this dude was just a total asshole. And I was like, okay, I can see why my dog didn't like you. <laughs> <laughs> I also use Salem for that too. Cause she's like, she's pretty skittish. I would say she's Doyle cat version. because <laughs> I, yeah, She did not, was not very like approachable with me when I first came in, but I do not blame her. <laughs> I was like a thousand percent sure that she is like just the emotional support demon for me and anyone else that sees her, she's just got to like run from because she's kind of feral. <laughs> or she, I, I don't know when it, when it changed because she used to be a very sociable cat, but now she is just feral. <laughs> She is a wild cat. <laughs> she is. She's just like, even with my parents the other day, they came over and she fucking ran from them. Ooh, wow. I was like, wow. And then like when she finally realized who it was, she was like, oh, grandma and grandpa. I'm like, oh, I told you that. It's amazing. I don't lie to you. A dog's bark is also exceptionally useful because it will force a deceptive land otter man posing as a friendly person to reveal their true nature. And the bones of a dog that died of natural causes can be made into weapons fatal to ottermen. Other ways to protect yourself from ottermen uh, include using urine, copper, iron, steel, so really any any sort of metal, really, uh, tobacco, and fire may also all be effective ways to ward off land ottermen. A lot of people uh, will hold an axe, a knife, or saw in the hand, which, again, that's another method that I think wards off plenty of bad things <laughs> if you're holding a big axe. Um, Any weapon, for that matter, in your hands. I kind really. of like... <laughs> Makes people think twice. Um, <laughs> uh, but just more of a general practice, like everyday practice for warding off land honor men. Uh, people will often carry something metal on them to ward off land honor men. And I mean, this doesn't have to be anything elaborate. Uh, some of the sources I was reading, could, it could be something as simple as you have your keys, you have some change, you just have something metal on you that's believed to be a sort of protection. Uh, now, the land otter men may still approach, so it's not foolproof. However, they do fear metal and will reveal themselves so you know what you're dealing well with. And you are less likely to be captured or changed. Uh, someone lost in the woods can sometimes use self-defense against land ottermen if it absolutely came to it. But in some cases, if someone is alone in the woods, the land ottermen may actually make a person feel numb and dizzy, leading to unconsciousness, at which point self-defense obviously can't be used for protection. And thus is the importance of carrying a metal object to ward off these creatures um, while out alone in the woods to prevent them from using their power on you to make you faint. Now, of everyone, it is believed that small children are the most in danger of being captured by land ottermen since they are curious and somewhat helpless, so children are warned not to wander away from their parents or leave home alone. There's also quite a few other things children are warned about, uh, including that land ottermen may appear to them in the form of their parents. So if they are concerned, they should bite the hand of the suspicious adult. And if their skin quivers like a live fish, they would know it's a land ottermen in disguise and not to trust them. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> I was like, bite the hand that feeds you. Yeah. <laughs> Everything that we've been told not to do, do it. Do bite it. Bite the hand that feeds you. Do it. <laughs> I'm like, and then you're like, it quivers like a fish. I'm like, Ugh. 
Yeah, I was. Smooth throat tussle. That's fine. Along that line, children are told not to eat food from strangers. Again, probably good advice in any scenario. Um, to make sure land otter men do not trick children into eating their food. They're also told to be quiet and don't cry, as this may attract their attention and carry a metal object for protection, similar to everybody else. Now, it is believed a land otter man may actually fixate on a specific child and repeatedly try to lure them away from safety. And so if there is concern for a single individual, their clothes may be placed outside in the woods so as to trick the land otter man into thinking that they have captured that person already. However, if all this does not succeed, if a child is captured by a land otter man, it's believed that defecating and urinating may scare it away. Um... I mean, that that usually scares a good yeah. amount of people away. Yeah, again, one of those things where it's like, if you don't want people messing with you, that might keep them away. <laughs> All good advice. Uh, now, if a child ever goes missing in this area, uh, land ottermen are often suspected. Like I said earlier, it is suspected that land ottermen are responsible for many, many missing people. Uh, so a search tends to, at that point, be organized with dogs involved, and then the parents would often consult a shaman. And then one quick note before we move on to the next little section is that individual land ottermen may in some circumstances actually help their relatives from their past life, as they may not consider their direct relatives their enemies. So it does seem like, supposedly, there's still like some memory of what came before there's more than one story, which I won't go into here, but of um, occurrences where people ran into land otter men at, that were like drowned relatives and were not treated aggressively. It was, uh, I don't want to say heartwarming because it's very, it's extremely sad and horrifying that this would ever happen to somebody, but more just those notes of like they had no intention of hurting them. Mm-hmm. So what if it's too late? You've been captured and turned into a land otter man. What now? It is believed that people who are captured and are beginning to turn into a land otter man will first start acting quote unquote crazy, a word I try not to use too often, uh, before the physical transformation starts. And when I say crazy, I mean uh, it's generally described uh, acting violent, screaming, running around naked, <laughs> you know, things like that. Oh, for this reason, bringing someone back into the community is immensely difficult once they have been abducted by a land otter man. The physical transformation does start uh, following this um, beginning of a, like more of a mental transformation. And that starts with fur growing over the body, followed by confusion when trying to form speech, then crawling on the knees and elbows, a tail growing from behind, and all of this culminating in a full transformation finally into a land otter man. If a person could not be saved before the transformation became complete, their soul could still be saved if their body was cremated following death. Now this, I will say caveat here, is assuming land otter man can die, since there are some inconsistencies as to whether or not land otter man can be killed. Supposedly, a metal object can sometimes be used to stop the transformation, uh, but it seems like in most cases, if somebody is 
found before the transformation is complete, a shaman can often rescue them and turn them back into a human through a type of seance similar to a seance held for a sick person. So almost treating it like you're curing a disease, uh, but they must act fast. If a victim is rescued from capture by Land Otterman, another really important part of the process is that all contamination must be removed from them. Basically, it's seen that they are marked, that because they have been captured, the Land Otterman are going to try to get them again. So they need to try to remove any sort of mark on them that the Land Otterman could be drawn back to. Uh, this also helps restore their senses in addition to protecting them from future capture. So the clothes are burned and the shaman or someone else may cut the palms of the victim's hands and rub urine into the cuts as well as into any other cuts that the land otter <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure That's not where not that goes. This. Like I was expecting like salt or something and you're like no pee I'm like excuse me and it took a moment for it to like register I have no idea what you said after urine because my brain was like the fuck did she just say do you want an infection because that's how you get an infection <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I'll wrap up that last sentence <laughs> I like got caught up in a laughing coughing fit after your reaction oh <laughs> uh. Uh, so we were at the uh, uh, urine being rubbed into the cuts. Um, so the cuts on the hands, as well as any sort of cuts that the land otter men may have made or received while being dragged away to ward off land otter men. Now, someone who is taken by the land otter men and brought back often becomes a shaman afterwards, which is one of the reasons why a shaman can sometimes find someone taken by the land otter men because the shaman has a deep spiritual connection that allows them to distinguish the spirits of humans from land otterman spirits. Hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. I, I wasn't expecting that, that, uh, people who survive this horrific experience often become shamans. I thought that was really interesting. Um, but yeah, it seems like they have a stronger connection to the spirit world after the experience. Hmm. Good to know. Now, I would be remiss not to at least speak about the famous tale of what some people claim to be the most famous account of an encounter with the Land Otter Men. And that is the story that has been published in Alaska as the strangest story ever told by Harry D. Culp. I will be upfront that I did not read through the strangest story ever told myself. It was summarized in numerous sources in my research, so I will provide a similar summary here for you. Uh, however, um... Just to note, my summary will therefore be coming from secondary sources, not a primary source. Uh, but if you are interested in reading the story firsthand, it's about 30 pages long and it is available to be purchased in its entirety online or check your library. You never know. Uh, so definitely do a Google search if you are interested in, in reading it yourself. The story takes place in Thomas Bay, Alaska. Historically, Thomas Bay was the site of a mass tragedy. In 1750, the Clinket village was completely destroyed along with all of the people in it in a massive landslide. Oh my god. Yeah. More than 500 people died, and it is culturally believed that this uh, landslide was likely caused uh, by a land otter men, and that some of the people who perished likely turned into land otter men. 
Uh, since then, the bay has been known as the Bay of Death. It is also believed to be a place of evil spirits, so it is also called Devil's Country by the Clinket people. <laughs> so you can imagine that is, it doesn't sound like a great place to visit, uh, which we'll get into that more later with some people who have visited it. <laughs> While the historical records of a second incident are not entirely clear, it is believed that right before 1900, a ship carrying Chinese immigrants coming to work at the Alaskan salmon canneries also wrecked just outside of Thomas Bay, and everyone in this accident died as well. Oh, God. Yes, this uh, area has definitely seen a lot of tragedy. Maybe maybe we shouldn't inhabit it. Maybe, we <laughs> maybe. Just let the other men have it. Maybe it just was not meant to be. Maybe there's just some signs that we just shouldn't go there. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it's it's not not the place to be at, guys. Yeah, yeah, you know that. There's that's other my men. Opinion. There's other things going on, like there's ships wrecking. Yeah, let's not let's not live there. That's what we call an omen. <laughs> Right? I was so like, I to, when I first, like, just heard, like, oh, there was paranormal activity in this area, I was like, cool, if I ever go to Alaska, maybe I'll go there. And then the more I read about it, I was like, no, no, we're, we're definitely not going there. No. Nope. Nope. <laughs> That's a big no. <laughs> <laughs> now, in June of 1900, Harry Culp, the author of The Strangest Story Ever Told, was visiting Thomas Bay and spoke with a prospector named Charlie, whose tale is the one told in the published short story. So I'll go into it here. Uh, old time, real quick, I forgot. Uh, old time Petersburg residents recall Colt as being someone who was a big fan of the bottle and talking it up at the bar. So there is some question of his account being blown out of proportion. Nonetheless, Culp's daughter did believe her father to be true, and he seemed to honestly believe this man's story. So, the story goes that Charlie had pestered an old Clinket man about where he had found some quartz flecked with gold until the man finally broke down and told him about a spot near this half-moon lake off of Thomas Bay. But he warned Charlie not to go there. Charlie, of course, didn't listen to him, and otherwise we wouldn't have the story, and canoed alone across Thomas Bay and explored some of the surrounding land in search of gold. He did discover gold-rich quartz, but swore he would never be back to prospect it after the experience he had. After discovering the gold and breaking his rifle by using the butt of it to knock off a piece for proof, Charlie climbed a tall ridge nearby to note landmarks to lead him back to his gold discovery. When Charlie looked back towards the Half Moon Lake, he was horrified to see a mass of creatures swarming up towards him. Charlie called these creatures devils and described them as sexless with bodies covered in long, coarse hair and scabs and running sores apparent in some spots. He was overwhelmed by the stench that emanated from the devils and the cries escaping their mouths as they competed to be the first to grab him. Forgetting his gun was broken, Charlie tried to shoot the creatures closest to him, then threw the rifle at them and ran for his life. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm so like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. Ugh. Ugh. Why'd you get rid of the gun, sir? Why? <laughs> well, I mean, that's why when I read in the part of the story where he was like, oh, I've been trying to hunt game and there's not really anything around that's, like, worth hunting. I'm just gonna use the 
the butt of my gun to knock off the quartz. I was like, ooh, ooh, I don't know if that's a good idea. I don't know that's, that's a, a good poor idea. decision. Like, <laughs> a very poor decision, especially, like, in the case, like, I can understand personally, personally, because I don't preferably like shooting shotguns. They kick. I don't like it. Well, this is a rifle he had that he broke knocking the quartz off. You still got some rifles that will kick fucking hard, too. Like. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, especially if you're trying to hunt larger game, that, that's going to kick you. While running, Charlie could feel hot breath and claws scraping his back. Hmm. He could still smell the stench and could hear heavy breathing and screaming behind him. Nope. <laughs> yeah, that's a big no. Charlie lost his senses from terror and awoke at night laying in his canoe. I will apologize really quick. Uh, one of the words I'm going to say, I found two different pronunciations for So I'm going to give you both because I don't know which one's right. <laughs> Drifting between Thomas Bay and Sukhoi or Suhoi Island. Feeling cold, hungry, and thirsty and surprised to see the piece of gold line quartz in the bottom of his boat with him. So somehow through all of that, he held onto that piece of quartz. I'm just like, dude, I would have been chucking it at those things. Like, eat quartz, damn it, leave me alone. <laughs> in that exact voice, too. That's, yes, that's her exactly. reaction to things. That is my reaction. <laughs> I'm more on the side of, oh, shit. You know what? I came for this. It's my shiny. Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. He did uh, vow he would leave the region tomorrow and never wanted to hear about Thomas Bay again. So after this experience... He did not want to go back for the gold, needless to say. Or his gun. <laughs> oh, fuck. I, I'm sorry. I don't care how nice that gun is. I'm not, if I had that experience, I would not be going back for the gun. I'd be like, fuck it. You oh, absolutely not. <laughs> you know what? I would set up a whole different Horrorland lineage, and I'd be like, hey, there's a gun on that island that's mine. It was stolen. I'll pay you, like, 500 to go get it back, but I'll pay you when you get back. Right? Oh my god, because then if they don't come back, it's like, oops. Oh well, I guess they weren't successful. <laughs> and then you go on to the next person and you're like, hey. <laughs> there's a gun on this island. I'll pay you when you get it back to me. If you can retrieve it. Like, set up, like, quest lines. Like, fucking Skyrim quest lines. <laughs> at a tavern, just in town. Just sitting at the bar, like... Hey, I heard you're interested in Thomas Bay. <laughs> I got something out there. You bring it back to me, I pay you a pretty penny. <laughs> and any gold you find out there, you can have it. I just want my gun yes, back. <laughs> that would definitely raise some eyebrows. Like, what? Oh my god. <laughs> There are different opinions on what exactly these creatures were. Some people believe that these were land ottermen, while others believe them to be some sort of Alaskan Bigfoot. And yet others believe this was simply the hallucinations of an exhausted prospector who was either drunk or had spent way too much time out in the elements of the Alaskan wilderness. He's just afraid of trees. <laughs> <laughs> Those damn trees chasing you. 
I hate it when they do that. <laughs> I hate it when they do that. It's just a deer that's like walking up. It's never seen a human before. It's like, wow, you look really interesting. He's over here like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure the elves can do some weird shit to you. So, I mean. <laughs> Now, in all seriousness, there was one interesting hypothesis that did arise during my research that I wanted to cover here. Uh, the author of one of my sources, Tara Nielsen, stated that she had spoken with someone who was a longtime resident of the Thomas Bay area whose father hunted mountain goats and explored large caves in the area. His father had heard about the shipwreck of Chinese immigrants not long before the prospector had visited Thomas Bay, and belie he believed that the Chinese immigrants had actually survived the shipwreck and made it ashore at which point they survived by living in the caves, subsisting off of mountain goats, and using the mountain goat hides for clothes when theirs were completely disheveled. Oh, so we're talking about, like, Lord of the Flies scenario, except it's not a tropical island. <laughs> there are no coconuts. No coconuts. And it's cold. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. That's yeah. so bad. That's really bad. That's scary. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, my God. Like, when I, I read this part, my heart just dropped in my stomach, and I just was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's just a bunch of feral people out on that island. We don't go there. Yeah. But I got a quest for you if you're willing to take it. <laughs> so bad. Hence, if Charlie the Prospector met a bunch of desperate Chinese immigrants and potentially had never met a Chinese person before, which I will interject here that I wonder how likely it was he had never met a Chinese person before if there was a lot of Chinese people immigrating to Alaska at that time. I don't know. Um, but in any case, along this line of thought, he probably would have been terrified seeing a bunch of people dressed in goat skins and yelling in a language he had never heard before especially when he thought he was the only human for miles. And of course, the immigrants would have chased him because this prospector could be their last chance at ever getting saved and making it back to civilization. Now, Tara Nielsen claims that she researched this and was able to verify all the information except for the exact date of the shipwreck and the vessel's name. But there was definitely historical records indicating there was a shipwreck in Thomas Bay right before 1900. Uh, Chinese immigrants were shipped to Alaska between the late 1800s and the end of the 20th century to work in the salmon canneries as well as the mines and building roads and railways. And many of these Chinese immigrants were formerly goat herders in their homeland. Alaska Department of Fish and Game has stated that mountain goats were plentiful in the Thomas Bay area at that time. In this case, all of this was true then this was a horrifying tragedy if there really was a small population of shipwrecked Chinese immigrants surviving off the land and hoping that Charlie was their savior to bring them back to civilization. Was this the case, or was it really a group of cryptids, as many believe? We may never know, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Unless, unless, we send anthropologists out there. <laughs> That's a good point. I didn't think about that. <laughs> I'm like, because skeletal remains, like, they stay over time. And especially, like, in an area such as, like, Alaska, where you have, um, 
unfortunately you'll have the changing of the elements but if they were sheltered in like a cave or somewhere if they were at a point that they would bury their dead or there's ritualistic practices with maintaining dead and keeping them away from the population there actually might be skeletal remains on that island that suggest one side or the other because if you have lack of skeletal remains it might suggest that like hmm, something weird happened here or our prospector was just drinking a little too much <laughs> or b the story is true and those people were living on the island and just trying to get back yeah that would be really interesting especially since Supposedly, we have some information of specific landmarks where this happened, so that could hopefully narrow mm -hmm. in an area to search. <clears throat> Excuse me, to search, and especially if we also consider it's likely these people were living in caves, that would definitely be a great place to look for evidence like that. And that actually reminds yeah. me of um, lava beds. Yeah, it's like looking for certain tools and other things that are around to indicate that humans were here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was thinking of Lava Beds National Monument. I can't remember the name of the specific cave, but one of the caves there, they actually had some uh, really well-preserved bones uh, from ceremonial practices, actually, uh, that because the cave was like uh, so deep in the earth that it maintained year-round a very cold temperature where there, um, until recently when uh, temperatures started going up uh, just year round. It used to have like ice, uh, an ice floor on the cave at all times. So it, these bones were pretty much like really well preserved because they weren't thawing out. They were just staying frozen all the time, basically. Uh, so mm -hmm. it kind of reminds me of that. And granted, may, you may not have a, those exact circumstances where you have year round ice, so you still may be facing somewhat of a freeze and thaw cycle. But like you said, caves generally have a pretty, uh, what's the word? can't think of the word but their environment is doesn't change as much as like the outdoor environment it's it stays much more similar throughout the year in terms of temperature and humidity it's more of a controlled environment yes thank you i couldn't think of the words it's more of a controlled environment <laughs> also i found pictures of it it is skull cave in the lava beds national park skull cave thank you yeah, I've been to it twice, and I was like, I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> but that cave. <laughs> but yeah, even just, like, sending out, like, an archaeological team. Like, it doesn't even have to be, like, a big team, like, a couple of people. Just, which also sounds like the start of a horror story. But just, <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, this, this is probably why. They're probably like, we don't need to know. Um, but... <laughs> Probably. Even just sending out, like, a small team of, like, maybe... Oh, God, this is getting worse. I'm just writing the plot to a horror movie. Team, team, team. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. Like, a group of, like, even, like, students that are just kind of, like, interning and they're like, hey, there might be something over here. If there is, check it out. Document. Get back to us. And yeah. if there is, we can send out a bigger team to start excavation. Yeah. Yeah, that would be really interesting to have a team go out and just see if there happens to be anything because mm -hmm. if they could find evidence of that i mean that could really lay down so much harder evidence of what actually happened um and then like yeah. so if they don't find anything then it's like well maybe there is something weird going on here <laughs> yeah and if they don't come back we just don't send another team <laughs> We send a bigger team 
of people that have never heard it. So we're going to have to wait a couple of years. <laughs> we'll have to wait a little while before we make the job post again. We don't before need anybody asking again. any questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Now, apparently the short story ends with another tale of a trapper who is out trapping on the muddy river. So this isn't, uh, as far as I can tell, this isn't like right up against Thomas Bay, but it's in the general region, general area. Um, so the, this trapper's out trapping and camping. And one night there's this bad snowstorm. And during the snowstorm, he could hear his dog just barking and howling and just going crazy. But then in the morning when he wakes up, his dog's gone. His dog's completely missing. I know. I hate dog stories. I'm like, not the dog. Not the dog. God, you're gonna have to, I'm going to have to put another disclaimer up at the top if this fucking dog dies. Okay? Uh, you know. laid on me. <laughs> so the uh, <laughs> trapper followed the, the dog's trail to see if he could find, you know, did his dog just wander off somewhere? And he quickly noticed that there was these strange tracks following the dog's tracks. And it was unlike anything he's ever seen before. And this is a trapper. I mean, this is what he does. He traps animals. And I can tell you a lot of trapping involves looking at brands because you don't usually see the thing you're trapping since you're leaving it and coming back later. So, I mean, this guy's got to know his, tra- his, his tracks if he's a, a decent trapper. Now, the hind prints were described as being seven inches long. Woo! And looked like a mix between a bear and a human print, while the front prints were described as looking similar to raccoon tracks, but much larger. And if you aren't familiar with raccoon tracks, their front tracks look kind of like hands. So we're talking about something really funky here. And what really made me blood run cold is while the creature was sometimes walking on all fours, it sometimes also only walked on its hind feet. Yeah, that... that ugh. Being somebody who works in wildlife, that is not no. something you see frequently. No. I mean, no. yeah, bears will occasionally get up on their hind feet, you know, if they're like scratching a tree or like, ooh, there's something cool up there, I want to get it. But generally speaking, most animals, you will not see them walk on all fours and then be like, I'm just gonna get up on my hind feet and walk like that. I mean, if that's happening, that's usually because they have some sort of injury or there's something wrong. Granted, I'm not talking primates here, you know, I'm talking like canids. Well, uh, even if we look at our more recent, like, great ape relatives, a lot of them don't walk on their hind legs, and when they do, they have a funky walk, and I think it's because they're actually missing a part of, like, that uh, sternocleidomastoid in their bone structure that doesn't allow them to stand up bipedally like we can. That's right. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, so they don't really even, even primates, you know, walk on all fours. Yeah, because I don't think their spines form properly to allow them Mm -hmm. to walk on all two, walk on all twos. This is not something you traditionally see animals doing. Like I said, if you really only see it, if you have an animal that's severely injured, because I mean, it's painful. It's, it's not uh, comfortable for them to walk on their hind legs. That's highly uncomfortable. So they're only going to do that if there's something even more uncomfortably wrong with their front legs, like some sort of severe injury. And mm-hmm. so this just, this is very strange, very strange. Now this is the part that's probably gonna, gonna get all the dog lovers. So I'm warning you right now. It's not too bad. It's not too bad, but it, 
but yeah. Uh, so the dog's tracks ended mid-stride. So if you think about a rabbit that's running and something grabbed it, it never touched the ground. No! Yeah. Mad at you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I totally <laughs> forgot about this bit till I was organizing my notes today. And I was like, damn, not only am I like breaking your heart about your favorite animal, I'm also going to throw in a dog story. And I, I don't normally do dog stories because I hate hate sad dog stories we all hate sad dog we all hate stories dogs, okay sad dog stories. somebody does <laughs> not hate a sad dog story they're fucking suspect that <laughs> you're one notch closer to being a serial killer if you don't hate sad dog stories <laughs> add that to the mcdonald's triad <laughs> we're gonna make it what a, a quadrant is that what a that quadrant? is? I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> In any case, so the trapper continued to follow the creature's tracks because at this point, he wants to shoot it. You know, it took my dog. I'm going to shoot it. And he wants to know what the fuck this thing is. I, I can't blame him for wanting to know what the fuck this thing is, but I'm also at the same time, like, if this thing is as big as, a, as either a bear or a human, I'm not sure I want to meet it. You know, I don't know. But I mean, I guess if you're a hunter and you think like I'm the hunter, not the hunted, then sure, that's fine. But uh, on that line, he realized soon after that the tracks made a circle and the creature had circled back around. It was now stalking the trapper again, working with wildlife. You know, I know someone who on the job was putting out wildlife cameras for surveys and literally like caught on camera a few minutes after he left the camera, a mountain lion walked by the camera following his path. <laughs> it's shit like that where I was always told working in the mountains of California, like the mountain lions are there. They know you're there. You won't know they're there, but they'll know you're there and they will be watching you. Just keep no, that in mind. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, I got some stories. We won't be telling those stories today, but I got some stories. <laughs> and this reminded me of that when it was like, oh, that thing's behind me now. I don't like that. I think it's a good time to go home now. That, that's what it reminded me of. I'm like, and just as a person, like in my personal preference, I don't like people being behind me. I don't like oh, yeah. being behind me. Oh yeah. I like knowing what's behind me. So it's mm -hmm. like, even when I'm like in buildings or areas that I can have my back to a wall my back is to a wall oh yeah. yeah so I can see everything yeah for sure so yeah to come to that realization oh I would shit myself there would be, <laughs> there would be diarrhea fucking everywhere and I would just have to hope that that would make the thing go ew and go away I mean I said defecation and urination does uh, supposedly ward them off. So, you know, maybe that'll do it for you. <laughs> cool. <laughs> cool. Because I'm going to be embarrassed and I'm going to walk home and do the sad walk home. Because not only have I lost my dog, I've now shit in the woods. <laughs> and not with my pants down. <laughs> and not with my pants down, unfortunately. Uh, now, here's the... Uh, well, I don't know if I'd say the best part, but... The trapper quickly left the area and told a dairy farmer in Brown Cove about what happened, but he had to return later to check his traps. And it was at that point that he went missing and was never seen again. Well, we are going to wrap up with part one of our episode here, but be sure to tune in next week for part two. 
And before we close out, let me just drop my tissue box. <laughs> I was going to say, what the hell did you just throw at me? <laughs> I'm just trying to very quietly and carefully move some things on my desk and the microphone doesn't pick it up and then I'm just going to drop it so you hear everything. <laughs> well, where I was going with that is if you love the podcast... We'd really appreciate it if you can subscribe, especially if you're listening on YouTube or hey, even if you're not, go check us out on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. We'd really appreciate it. We're also really hoping to get some reviews. Uh, we currently, I, last I checked at least, we don't have any ratings yet. So if you like us, please give us a rating and let us know how you feel about us, how you're doing. <laughs> please be kind. We're, we're gentle souls. <laughs> we're gentle souls. <laughs> She says to the one that's handing out quests. To go <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but yes, oh my god. Uh, please rate us. Uh, we definitely want to hear from you and hear what you think. So definitely rate us and subscribe. Thank you again for listening to Haunting Cases podcast. Please make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Haunting Cases Podcast and on Twitter at Haunting Cases. If you have a listener tale, story request, or any questions, email us at hauntingcasespodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to rate us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts from. So, what do you say, listeners? Are you haunted too?